you think your wife meant to kill you? No, I think she just meant to, to, to destroy me in the worst possible way she could by taking away my manhood not, so that I wouldn't be able to be with another woman. She didn't want to be with anybody else and she didn't believe in divorce. And uh, so uh, when I tried to leave her, she got really upset. You know, it hurt her. Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and Ron. Yes, you're listening to Sick and Ron. The Sick and Ron, the world source for antisocial commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. One of your hosts, D. Simon. Hello, I'm the other host, Kate Rambo. Happy birthday, Kate Rambo. I suppose this is this is going to be on Monday, isn't it? So yes, it is my birthday. Yeah, your wet and wild birthday show. It's going to hey, be sizzling. It's a sausage party. Yeah, this is going to be a full-on sausage party, and that is a double entendre. Because one, most of our listeners are male, and I think everyone in the uh, current YouTube live stream right now are all men, so it is a sausage party. But two, the subject of this uh, week's show also is no stranger to a sausage party. So I'm yeah. a stranger to a sausage party. I mean, I've been in bands for years. I, I like hanging with the boys. I'm in several boy group chats on WhatsApp. I like hanging with the lads. Pretty much like all the parties I went to when I was in England, they were all sausage parties. It was just me, you, and your cat. And your cat's male. I'm male. Yeah, it was definitely a very, it was a sausage fest over in, uh, over in England. In Blighty. <laughs> so how's your birthday been so far? Have you uh, been wanking to Nicolas Cage films while wearing a Nicolas Page- Cage pillowcase over your head? Uh, no, but I would like to say thank you very much to Gino, <laughs> who sent me a Nicolas Cage pillowcase for, for my Nicolas Cage collection, which has now been started with a Nicolas Cage pillowcase. Yeah, I also want to thank you for that, Gino, because she's probably going to bring that here, and I'm going to have to have that on my bed. So thank you, Gino, guest for, bed. for that. <laughs> on the guest bed. You could bed. theme a whole separate bedroom just around Nicolas Cage. That would be, oh, do you know what would be even better? The guest bathroom where just everything is Nicolas Cage. You know what we could do, though? You could do that. You can do a guest bedroom with like a duvet that's a Nicolas Cage duvet, pillowcases <laughs> that are Nicolas Cage, and curtains, Nicolas Cage. I think Nicolas Cage would like this. Imagine if he came to stay at your house and he didn't know. You were like, oh, well, this is really embarrassing, but this is where you're staying. <laughs> I think that'd be kind of amazing. I wouldn't mind having like a Lou Ferrigno room too. You're old. Bringing yeah, I like Ferrigno Lou Ferrigno. Room. I think it'd be great. You could have a Lou Ferrigno room. I bet you Steele would stay there. Yeah, Steele would because Steele's in his 50s and he knows Bronson who Lou Ferrigno room. is. Everyone who in their 20s right Lou now is Ferrigno. like, Lou who? Everyone knows Lou Ferrigno. Um, Even Lou is like Lou who because he can't hear his own the name. The original Hulk. Um, <laughs> so unlike uh, me, Kay Rambo, you love your birthdays. You enjoy birthdays. You even made a flyer for your birthday on uh, Facebook. So I did. We're organizing you a know, live I'm not. Stream. I'm not a birthday bitch like you. I enjoy being a Pisces. It's uh, the greatest season, especially for Pisces women. Let's not talk about Pisces men. Pisces women are the best. I think we should just spend the entire show talking about astrology. I could. (laughs) Don't tempt me. I'll do it on Overkill one time. Did you cook yourself a special birthday meal? Uh, I have been preparing it for two days. I am having stuffed pasta shells. Stuffed pasta shells, huh? And uh, 
Did you have like a bubble bath and reflect on your birthdays of yore? On all every year, it's, every year is pretty much the same for my uh, birthday. I just say like, do the same thing. I just chill out, hang out in my house. I don't, I don't need to have like everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm gonna be sat at home, probably watching about ten movies. Made an amazing fettuccine Alfredo. Drank a bottle of red wine. I listened to some Amy yes. Winehouse. Had a had a long happy cry. I'm a year older now. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm gonna do. <laughs> that's a, I can already anticipate what you're gonna do for your birthday. Uh, but you know what though? This will probably be your last birthday in Old Blighty. Is that is that a weird realization? Last one in uh, England. Last, traditionally, the February half term birthdays are usually a washout weather wise. It always rains or the weather's really terrible. So next year it'll just be weird because I'll be like, hey, it's sunny as fuck. But you guys don't have half terms, so that'll be weird. I'm not even sure what that means, but probably not. It's half term is when the kids are off school for a week. Oh, yeah, I think we do. We have like a spring break sometime. I don't know when that is. I think it's in like March, I think. March or April. They get millions of half terms here. The kids in Britain are spoiled. Yeah, I don't even know. So you don't have any friends that are forcing you to go out drinking? Well, I do have friends who've invited me to do shit, but I'm self-isolating because I do not want to catch the COVID because I'm going to America. What about Chi-Chi? Is Chi-Chi like, let's go out drinking, bitch? I'm, I've instructed my son that he must go out and catch me a mouse, <laughs> a large mouse, as a token of his appreciation for everything I do for him. Kate actually asked me to uh, send her uh, some leaks, links, legal links. To, Legal. Um, Legally. Yeah, to all the original Batman movies. I, I think you're gearing up to, because the new one's coming out, so you want to watch them all in a row on your birthday. I think I'm going to skip um, my least favorites, and I'm just going to watch the Schumacher ones. So what is that, like Batman 1, Batman Batman 2, and Robin, one... and the other one with Val Kilmer, whatever, Batman Forever, is it? What about the, the Schumacher one Schwarzenegger? Ones? Is it the, the when he's Mr. Freeze? Is that one of the Schumachers? Hey, D, what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> the Ice Age. I know that one. I know that one. You're a prick. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, since it's uh, Kate's birthday show, I said, I was like, hey, well, why don't you pick the topic this week? We're live streaming. We're doing a Kate's big birthday party. We're going to get drunk. Hey. You should pick the topic, anything you want. And, uh, the initial topic I just nixed immediately. But the second one that she picked up, she was a little too enthusiastic about it. Penis choppers. Willie snippers. Dick pruners. Cock cutters. She was just like, I want to talk about penis choppers. And I was like, okay. All right. Well, that, I mean, that's interesting. We, we do a lot of stories. Well, over the years, we've done a lot of stories about women who severed their uh, lover's dicks. and But I was like, you know, a little taken aback. I'm like, maybe I to be a bit wary of her unbridled enthusiasm for this topic. Definitely a cause for alarm there. It's because be we're going to be covering someone who not a lot of people will know about, but I've loved this person ever since I first heard about them, and I'm on her side completely. Yeah, that's that's what's alarming. <laughs> um, so, But over the years, you know, we've covered a lot of penis chopping stories. I mean, it's kind of, unless it's just a run-of-the-mill penis chop, I'm probably not going to do it. But there's been a lot. And some of these uh, these uh, uh, stories I'm going to mention in about two seconds, uh, you'll probably be familiar with these ones. Because I was like looking, I, I was going through and I'm looking at like uh, some penis chopping stories. I'm like, oh, yeah. Cause I'm, I was like, you know, I remember these ones. These, these are standouts. 
because it happens somewhat frequently, especially in Thailand, actually. Um, oh. Yeah, I think it happens mostly due to the fact that uh, men are abusive pricks, you know? <laughs> like, how the yeah. fuck does Chris Brown still have his dick? I don't know, but I wish uh, Riri had taken it as a, as a token. Ike Turner. How did Ike Turner keep his cock? And I also wish Tina had taken that as a token, <laughs> no. too. But yeah, there was an epidemic of penile amputations in Thailand. And there's been several studies as to, to, to kind of look at the origin, the source of why all these women are severing their husband, their lover's penises. So the first study was in 1983 in the American Journal of Surgery. Um, they uh, ended up looking in, uh, back then it was called Siam, that's what they called Bangkok. And uh, oh, there was uh, yeah. four, four physicians at the Sirajaj Hospital in Bangkok looked into the well subject. Done. They said it became fashionable in the decade after 1970 for the humiliated Thai wife to wait until her philandering husband fell asleep so that she could quickly sever his penis with a kitchen knife. A traditional Thai home is elevated on pilings and the windows are open to allow for ventilation. So the area underneath the house is the home of family pigs, the chickens, and the ducks. So thus, it is quite usual that an amputated penis would be chucked out the open window where it could be captured by a duck. Yeah. I really like ducks. Ducks full of dicks. Ducks with a dick. Um, There's a Thai saying that goes, I better get home or the ducks will have something to eat. So that's that's the common Yeah, joke. that's very Thai. I bet <laughs> Marshall Allen Tony knows I have to say that one. The big, um... So uh, the physicians that did the study remarked at the end that most of the patients um, never filed a uh, criminal complaint against their attackers. So the patients who lost their dicks were pretty much like, yeah, I guess I was an asshole and I deserved it. Yeah, there you go. I guess I deserve that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another 1998 study called the Factors Associated with Penile Amputation in Thailand. And they found that uh, they, they gathered data from three specific couples where uh, the women chopped their husband's dicks off. And the couples, by then divorced, discussed their experience calmly. And they found that there are three things that typically happened a week prior to dismemberment that led to the penile amputation. One, a financial crisis. Two, ingestion of drugs or alcohol by the husband immediately prior to the event, probably led to domestic abuse. And three, public humiliation of the wife owing to the presence of a second wife or concubine. So yeah, so I think it was the financial issues, the abusiveness and the drunkenness of the husband, and then the, the, uh, the realization that uh, that there's a prostitute, there's a side hoe. The side hoe realization drives them over the edge, and they go get the garden shears. I think it. I'm actually surprised it doesn't happen more. I it goes to show the absolute patience of a, of women that it doesn't happen all the fucking time. I, I'm amazed. I mean, seriously, you look at the number of domestic abusers in this country, and it's like I'm Chris Brown. How the fuck does that guy still have his dick? Well, just think about obviously that, battered woman syndrome is a thing, but I'm just, I am surprised at the patience of women who are just like, no, I, I will let, every day I make a decision to let men keep their dicks, but I could change in a heartbeat. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's very alarming how enthusiastic she is about this <laughs> subject. Um, so let's do a roundup um, of my favorite knob loppers. All right. Knob so the first one, 
The first one is actually the subject of this week's Overkill. She's probably the most famous, most notorious penis chopper, Lorena Bobbitt. I think, yeah. I think we have a couple pictures there. I don't know if... Uh, did you get the pictures? I do. Okay, nice. I do. Here's a, here's a picture of uh, Lorena. There she is. Lorraine, this is more Lorena now. Because back in the day, I mean, oh, Lorena was hot back in the day. She doesn't look that bad. I mean, she kind of looks like a mom, like Karen, but... Well, she no. is a mom, but yeah. I think the, the blonde isn't doing it for you, Lorena. Go back back to black. Yeah, go back to brunette. Um, then there's uh, John Wayne Bobbitt. So Lorena Bobbitt here from Virginia was the first one to really make headlines around the world when she cut her off her husband's penis and uh, drove away with it in her car. This was in 1993. I remember this story vividly. Um, they've been Yeah, they've been married four years. And then Lorena claimed that John Wayne, John Wayne, there he is, emotionally, sexually, and physically abused her throughout their marriage. So throughout the four years, he was a very abusive man. And then he cheated on her and forced her to have an abortion, as well as uh, stealing from her. So 1993, June 23rd, she hacked off his tackle with a kitchen knife and then drove away in a car before chucking it in a field. Uh, but they managed, to, they managed to reattach the penis, and uh, operation took nine and a half hours, and he went on to star in a series of porn films. If you look at the next uh, picture here, yeah, he went under oh, the but- knife and... Uh, Put out a movie called Bobbit Uncut. The best one, the best one is Franken Penis, which you can see clips of on YouTube. We know he got a to. penis enlargement. That's before he did and he this. Did. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he had a, he had a couple extra inches added there, added in there. Um, but you you go into that on Overkill. So people on the Patreon, you can get you can get hear the the whole BTS behind the scenes on Lorena Bobbit. Um, it's, it's a deep dive into pe- the most famous penis chopper. Uh, the second one I want to mention, and people, we covered this one on the show, Brazilian Diane Machado. She sliced off her husband's penis before frying it in soybean oil. The picture is on the patron. Uh, some, I can't remember. We covered it on the patron because I remember I uploaded the picture and I was looking at it for a long time. Yeah, this only happened like a couple of years ago. Um, this was in the Brazilian city of Sao Goncalo. Uh, Machado murdered her husband, Andre, he's pictured over here, and then cut off his manhood with a kitchen knife. Uh, Cops recalled the couple's house, and they found uh, the victim, her husband, lifeless, naked, and mutilated, laying on the floor. Um, His wife had cut off his penis and cooked it in soybean oil in a frying pan, having allegedly murdered him around 4 a.m. His sister said um, she killed her her brother in uh, revenge for him cheating on her. But um, the lawyer for um, Diane Machado said that Andre threatened her and she killed him in self-defense. Now, the tragic thing is that they do have, uh, they had a couple kids, an eight-year-old son, a five-year-old daughter. Um, God, that, that's got to be tough to explain why mommy killed, or how mommy killed daddy and why. You know, it's got to be uh, difficult. I don't know, would you do it with pictures or stuffed animals? But- I have no idea. And a hot dog. She cooked it with noodles, didn't she? Like soybean oil, and then she she put it on like a top of some noodles. I'm not sure. Um, I remember the picture. I wonder what God Gordon Ramsay would make of that dish, that delicious dish. Yeah, Mar- uh, Machado here was arrested on the scene and was charged with murder and corpse desecration. The next one is one of my favorites. So this woman here, Victoria Frabutt, uh, I think we also covered this one. Cut off her husband's genitals. <laughs> In a message against sin. Your last name again. Frabutt? 
I don't know. Frabut? How would you say that? F-R-A-B-U-T-T? Frabut. Um, but Frabut here, she was like a holy roller. And she felt that was a sin stick. His magical sin stick. So she chopped it off. So she wasn't like, there was not even like an infidelity thing. Not sure if, it was a, if there even was an abuse of marriage. She was just batshit crazy. So she used rose pruning shears to cut off her husband's penis in 2019 <laughs> as a warning against sinning against God and fornication. So she's 56. Do you think he was jacking it? And she caught him jacking it. Jacking it to porn probably. Yeah, because she's crazy. Yeah. Crazy religious lady. Um, 56 years old from Northern Ca- North, uh, North Carolina, actually. She tied up her husband, James, before hacking off his manhood and then calling uh, 911 emergency services. She initially told cops that someone was in need of spiritual assistance before adding that he may be in some uh, physical pain. Maybe. Uh, just a little. <laughs> uh, Fra Butt went on to say that her husband who uh, she started referring to as her soon-to-be ex-husband, wasn't seriously bleeding. And she added that she cut off her husband's favorite part of himself, but was disappointed that there wasn't enough blood to make the sign of the cross or write sinner on the wall. Wow. She's wackadoo, (laughs) isn't she? Um, Police uh, showed up, uh, and they put the appendage on ice, and they took James to a nearby medical center for surgery. And Frabutt was charged with kidnapping and malicious castration. Not sure what happened to her. Uh, this next one's Brenda Berrettini. This is anger over revenge porn. Yeah, her asshole of a uh, boyfriend was uh, posting pictures, sexy pictures, sending them to all of his friends, their sex videos. She wasn't too happy about that. So Brenda Berrettini got some garden shears, and then she sliced off her lover's manhood at his home in Cordoba, Argentina in 2017. Uh, the 40-year-old victim here, Sergio F., he said that we started having sex and she told me she was going to give me a surprise. But first, <laughs> he had to cover his eyes with a velvet mask. She, 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 had him, yeah, she had his eyes covered in a velvet mask, tied him to a chair. And then uh, she was like, yeah, let me give you a surprise. She, she said, guess what I'm touching you with? And he was just like, I'm not, I'm not sure. So she performed oral sex on him. And then what she was touching him with was garden shears and just cut off 90% of his dick and testicles. She, she is hardcore, isn't she? She planned that. She was, go- she was going through with it. Tonight is the night in the world. Yeah, look how mental she is. Young. I think the guy in the next picture is the, the guy who got his dick chopped off. Look at him. He's like, where's my dick? Don't they? Don't they stop me, pee Oh, my God. He's wearing flip-flops, so he kind of deserves to have his dick cut off. I like how his legs are just crossed super tight because it's got to suck. I mean, Yeah, it's like me when I need to pee. Um, He's got Every man who is listening to this has gone, ah, 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 <laughs> at least 10 times by now. I'm not sure if the next one's the actual, if it's the garden shears, is the garden shears? Yeah, look at that. They're the bloody garden shears. And she used a condom, so it's safe sex. Well, Oh, not, so she was not, giving him not a completely royal safe. blowjob. What we'd call a posh blowy. Yeah. Yeah, so I wouldn't say it was safe sex, but uh, maybe safe for her. <laughs> so he said that uh, Sergio told uh, paramedics, I felt like I was going to die. Uh, Brenda denied attempted homicide, but she was jailed 13 years for the attack. And during the trial, she claimed that he treated her like a trophy. And then would send out explicit videos of her 
to all of his friends, violated her intimacy, her life, and her career. So she took matters into her own hands, literally. Uh, Next one. Now, this is a classic. Here's a Thai, a spurned Thai wife. This is the the classic here. Uh, Karuna Sanusan, 24. She found out her husband was having an affair, so she planned a brutal revenge in 2018. I think uh, the next pick is the husband here. She had, <laughs> yeah, there he is, like, where's my dick? Where's my pee-pee? They, always, they all kind of have that same look on their face of like, dude, I'm fucked. Life is done. Yeah, I just lost wouldn't my dick. you just rather kill yourself at this point? Like, live forever yeah. without a dick or just die. Uh, she hacked off the penis of 40-year-old Sirapon with a 12-inch carving knife and hurled it out the bedroom window at their home in Bangkok, Thailand. Uh, Sirapon was found lying in a pool of blood after neighbors heard his agonizing screams and called the police. His penis was put in an icebox, but surgeons were not able to reattach it. Um, go to the don't next pic here. Thing. You can see he's just like, I don't have a dick anymore. That is a dickless man. Look at this guy. It's just look at that face. It's just this like, you know, resignation. This forced resignation. Familiar faces. I don't even have a mushroom tip. Just nothing. (laughs) Um, His penis was put in an icebox. They weren't able to reattach it. Uh, Sanusan said that she found out he was secretly going with other women. This made her very angry. She was so full of anger, she couldn't relax. She says, I was angry inside. So she planned the attack. What she did is she waited until the morning when he woke up, had morning wood. She aroused him with the morning wood. And while he was absent-minded, of course you'd be absent-minded because she's giving you a blowy with your morning wood. She then just pulled out the uh, serrated kitchen knife and cut off his penis. Oh my God, a serrated kitchen knife too. Threw it out the window. No wonder they couldn't reattach it because of a serrated edge. Oh, you that's know, I, I'm kind of seeing a trend here. I'm sort of nervous about dating. I don't know how many men out there that are listening to this show at the, at the sausage party date Asian women. It seems to be like an inordinate amount of Asian women who cut off their husband's penises. With serrated blades. They don't fuck about. The no. Serrated blade says we do not fuck about. This next one, I think, is the MVP of dong cleavers. Um Oh, wait, there's there's the chopper. I guess it wasn't. I don't know if it, is that serrated? That's a cleaver. That's cleaver. Okay. Um, so this 21-year-old here, the next pick, uh, she's from China. Her name is Fan Lung. There she is. Can't really tell, but it's Fan Lung with her husband. Um, she discovered a sexually explicit message that uh, um, he sent to his lover using his wife's phone. That's that's smart. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's smart. What an absolute idiot. You're kind of asking for it at that point, mate. <laughs> so she grabbed a pair of scissors, stormed in the bedroom, and cut off his penis while he was sleeping. Now, what's interesting about that scissors? He must have had, that implies tiny dong, like scissors. Unless you have a like, garden shears, I can understand. Garden shears, you clip it right off. <laughs> oh, oh, right. See, this is your male ego coming into it, where you're like. They would need garden shears to take off my cock. Well, I think a fiscus scissors from Finland would take off any man's cock. I'm thinking like, you know, barber scissors or something like at least like some metal scissors, like industrial scissors. Like when they imply scissors, I'm thinking like the kind that like six, you know, like six year olds use to cut up in crafts class. Why do you you think of paper scissors immediately? Do you know how many different types? Like even material scissors are highly dangerous. You can kill people with them. Yeah, but how many people have material scissors in their home? 
I actually do. I have about three pairs. See, once again, I'm very alarmed about this topic. Women. Very alarmed about the enthusiasm Kate Rambo has about this. (laughs) Um, Anyway. So she, yeah, she uh, chopped off his dick with a pair of scissors. Uh, the father of five was rushed to the hospitals where doctors were able to save the appendage and sew it back on in a four-hour operation. However, so he's Chinese, Frankenpenis. Yeah. However, Fan Lung, MVP of penis chopping, managed to sneak into the recovery room where she chopped off his penis a second time. <laughs> so she got him again. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. MVP. She has heart. Uh, she threw it out the window, and uh, Lung, uh, he was really upset. He chased his wife outside, losing blood. I think the next picture, you can see him running after her. Uh, <laughs> they got into a fight in the street. He's got blood just streaming down his legs, hitting the woman, screaming. Well, they stopped. They tackled him, and uh, the woman is taking him for treatment. Then they, but then they discovered, well, she chopped his dick off a second time. No wonder he's so upset. Uh, despite the uh, search efforts, they never were able to find his dick again, and they feel like it might have been eaten by a stray dog or cat. I don't know if cats eat penises, but maybe they Well, do. cats are notorious dicks, so it wouldn't surprise me if a cat ate a dick. Well, uh, Lung's mistress here, named Zong Hung, um, that's interesting, <laughs> at least one of them's hung, uh, <laughs> she said she would stick by him even though they could never have children. She says it doesn't matter that he's lost his fertility. He has five children already. Now that's true love, Kate Rambo. I think, like, if I got my dick chopped off, I bet you'd dump my ass for the first guy who came along with a basket of tater tots covered in nacho cheese. I really want some tater tots (laughs) covered in nacho cheese right now. There he is, Dickless Wonder. Dickless Wonder. Dickless Wonder right there. All right, my last one here. Last one is uh, an offer of sex ended in bloodshed. Once again in Thailand, because it happens a lot in Thailand. Um, I think there's two more pictures of this lady. Yeah. Um, her name's Wan Lee, and she exacted a brutal revenge after learning her ex-husband Chen had cheated on her in July 2019. Actually, you know what? I take that back. This happened in Taiwan. Uh, she okay. seduced him. I think it's the next picture, actually, because this is uh, the other guy. Oh, is that... Is that the same one? I don't know if it's the same guy. Another it could be the wonder. same guy. Yeah. It, I'm, it's, a, it's a man um, on a stretcher at this point. I've seen 10 pictures of men on stretchers. So uh, she seduced him. One Lee seduced her husband with a promise of sex and cut off his penis, also with a pair of scissors, leaving him with one centimeter of length. I mean, but he is Taiwanese. What did he have to begin with? Three centimeters. <laughs> He did have both testicles, though. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Might so he well can still jizz and create a child. It would just be... How could a, you create a, a child with that one... I guess you could have it, like, uh, in vitro You'd have to come something. into a jar. Well, she uh, he was unable to uh, attach his penis again because she cut it off, and then she poured acid on it and flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so she's taking care of business here. Uh, the couple divorced a month before the attack, but Lee had planned the attack after learning that he had been seeing another woman the entire time they were married. Philanderer. Uh, she said, she told police, if I can't have it, no one else can. And then she tried to take her own life with sleeping pills. Uh, the penis was never recovered, obviously, because it was burned with acid. It looked like Joker's penis. And then uh, doctors also said, well, even if it was, we wouldn't have been able to reattach it. Um, so, yeah, he 
continue to live his life with that one <laughs> centimeter stump. I can imagine the doctor's going, and we couldn't reattach it anyways because it was so little to begin with. <laughs> Any other doctors? <laughs> it's a horrific act, cutting off a man's penis. A horrific act of brutality by a woman scorned. And it it is. I mean, its purpose is to rob a partner of his manhood. You know, I mean, it's the ultimate selfish act. However, I can't say they didn't deserve it in most cases. Well, the next know, case. Yeah. Now, I don't know if the same gonna, holds true in the next case. <laughs> I admire this woman. We're going to talk about it because the, none of these other women can quite compare to this murderous geisha. Well, what about the lady that Sutter cut it off Abbey. twice? She cut it off yeah, twice. Yeah, she cool. wanted it, but I think Sada <laughs> Abe cut it off for many different reasons and did lots of different things with the appendage. So I want to say thank you to Deadbug. Loads of people know that I love Deadbug Says. He's the only uh, true crime creator on YouTube worth his salt. And I actually had never heard of Sada Abe until about like three, four years ago because um, he did a documentary about her. So I can highly recommend that after you've listened to this, go and watch Deadbug Said. So Sada Abe, she was basically the Kim Kardashian of her day. She's a woman who caused a national scandal and she has achieved mythical slag status. She was born <laughs> in Kanda, which is now Chayoyada, Tokyo, Japan, on May the 28th, 1905. So she's a Gemini. Gemini's D, in case you didn't know, are often called the worst of the Zodiac. They're hated on by all of us lot. Well, there she is. Oh. Yeah, quite beautiful, actually. I mean, I guess what, what um, year is... Was this like in the nineteen twenties? Taking my screen away. Oh, sorry about that. No, just, how do just I giving get out people a, a quick look? <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do it without reading. That's weird though that it puts me automatically onto your screen. Yeah, I think it's just through Zoom, but. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Gemini's—they're the worst of the zodiac. They're they're mutable air signs. I am a mutable uh, water sign. So they're what my friend Serge would very sarcastically call a fence, fence straggler. She was the seventh of eight children, but it was a sign of the times when only four of them, including Sada, would make it to adulthood. And But she enjoyed a very privileged childhood in an upper middle class family. So her father, who was 52 when she was born, he was originally from China. And he had been adopted into the profitable Abe family and he ran several businesses, the main one being a tatami mat manufacturers. You know, they're made of like that rush, like Yeah, fabric. those are kind of those yeah, those thin fabric mats, right? Yeah, it's like um they're all like sewn together. It's like um a Is that cross, what they sleep is it? it do they sleep on those in China? Is that like what do they yeah, use? Yeah, it's these very mats traditional for? Japanese. They sit and have tea on them. They have them on the ferries too. Oh, all right. So he inherited these businesses. Her parents, they're honest, upright, sushi-loving sushi citizens. But it, kind of the, all of these children that they had are all um, sluts and psychos. And I admire them. So her brother, Shintaro, he stole a ton of money from the family. He was a womanizer. He ran around town. He eventually just ran away completely with a Japanese slut. Her sister, Teroko, she was hungry, and it wasn't for smelly fish. It was for Japanese cock day. She was so cock hungry that her father sent her away to Teroko to work in a brothel, which is actually commonplace for Japanese slags 
back then. That's what they did if you were being like, it was kind of like, you know, the telly show Scared Straight. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they send you to a brothel and it would sort you to out. To try to yeah, sort you out and make and make you be scared. But I bet you some of them though it probably worked the reverse. They were probably like, "This is this is the life." Well, you'll hear yeah, about hope that. Hope for life. It worked. It worked for Taruku. She came back and she soon married and she kind of settled down. Uh, Sade, she was doted on when she was a child. I'm going to call her a million different things. I just called her Sade, like the like Sade. <laughs> Shade. <laughs> she never heard the word no. She was spoiled. Her mother paid for her to have the best education. She took singing lessons. She learned how to play the Japanese banjo, uh, which is the samisen. But later on, she would definitely play the banjo string. And even though geishas were most definitely high-class prostitutes, becoming one has always been seen as a mark of distinction. And she was enthralled by them. The high-profile ones at the time, they were considered celebrities. And soon she was skipping her lessons. She was wearing makeup. She's rebelling. She's dreaming about joining the geisha life, but without realizing what it takes to be a geisha. Do you have to go through, like, intense training to be a geisha? You know how, like, when you want to be a sumo, it's like you devote your life to it. Like, is there, like, you know, prostitute training classes and seminars you have to take to become a geisha? Yeah, it's like the worst life ever. Have you never seen memora- Memoirs of a Geisha, do you? I don't think I've ever watched that, no. Is it good? It's probably a chick flick. But yeah, it definitely tells you how awful it is to be a Geisha. Because you're, you're a prostitute who's been sold. You, so you have no family. Yeah, but if there's celebrities, back- I mean, you get to be, you know, I mean, you get to go have sex, you get paid well. I'm sure you get to eat some of the finest sushi. Yeah, but how many of them do you think became celebrities? It's like how many bands become Guns N' Roses? Yeah. How many podcasts become Joe Rogan? <gasps> Kate Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> At the time, her brother and sister, they were taking up so much of her parents' attention that she was able to get away with whatever she wanted to do. She became a rebel and she was kicking about the streets of Tokyo with her bunch of uh, J-Pan mates. But it wasn't all good times in eel sashimi facade because one night when she was out with her so-called friends at the age of 14, she was raped by mm. one of them. And this changed her completely. She told her parents about what had happened and they were obviously shocked. They supported her through the trauma of the event. But she descended here on in into teenage hell. She became irresponsible. She was wild. She was uncontrollable. And her father who saw the good that being sent to the brothel did for her sister, he did exactly the same for her and just like <laughs> offed her to the brothel. I love that. Like in, uh, you know, Shakespearean times, it's like send to a nunnery. It's like in Japan, they're like, no, let's send her to the brothel. Like that will set her straight. <laughs> she was sent Believe to me, a geisha house. In... Yeah. Pardon, I didn't hear that. I believe, I believe the Japanese way. I think that works it's a little more effective. Oh, well, to be sent to the brothel, darling. Yeah, then a nunnery? <laughs> Fuck that. Well, it's better than a nunnery. Or yeah. a priesthood. So she was sent to the geisha house in Yokohama, but the family had different memories, actually, as to why she was sent there. So don't forget that Sada, she'd spent several years years worshiping the geishas they were her celebrities there was nobody better to her she claimed her father sent her there without her will but her former slut sister said that she went there totally willingly and she was like dreaming of stardom hmm. but when she got there 
she did say like we were just talking about that being a geisha wasn't all it was cracked up to be because becoming a geisha is led in difficulty there's extreme brutality especially at the turn of the century i mean remember foot binding that was for the geishas that was for the geishas yeah imagine there's probably a lot of carpal tunnel from like the hand jobs all the hand jobs it's with all the usual things of being um a prostitute all the usual like japes that'll happen to you with the geishas there's a strict caste and ranking system and that stopped the vast majority of the girls who were sold to the geisha houses from ever becoming stars and instead they just became well-skilled prostitutes who were really great at conversation could pour you a great cup of tea well it's a vocation you know they're learning skills transferable skills despite her intelligence and uh good looks We'll say good looks for Japan. You need to Google what she looks like. She never made it past the lower ranks. She's what we call in wrestling terms as curtain jerker. So instead of pouring tea and providing company for the elites of Japan, she was basically just providing sex for off the street clients. Is that what curtain jerkers do? I like that term. Curtain jerkers. Yeah, you know, she's a they just somebody the comes back? in. I've got twenty, I've got twenty yen. What can I get for this? And they're like, Oh, Sada will take care of you. Oh, because so she was like a she's the discount whore, like the discount yeah. prostitute. All right, which is insulting. That is insulting. She did this. I think so. She did this for five years, and then she contracted syphilis, Oof. and that meant she was struck off the geisha list completely. She had no choice but to turn into being a government licensed prostitute and living in a way less glamorous brothel. So she's starting to fall on hard times now. And during this time, both her parents died. Her mother died in 1933, and she actually nursed her father, who died during his last few days in 1934. And whatever self-restraint that she had left, like the Japanese Elvis, it soon left the building. She now started stealing from her clients. She was having secret relationships with them. And after a police raid and being struck off the license-talking list, she started going street walking. But she got tired of the eel in men's pants, and instead she took up a job selling eels in a local restaurant, a local restaurant in Nagoya in 1936. Ooh, the so this is her trying falling. to get out the trade. Yeah, She's the star enough. is falling, though. God, terrible. But what could go wrong from here? Well, one day in the restaurant, she looked across the friolators, and she locked eyes with the greasy goon owner, Kicho Ishiada, who was 42 at the time. Like everyone in the restaurant industry, I can attest to this. He was a womanizer. He often enjoyed slipping his eel into his various rotating door of waitresses that his wife would hire, as his wife was actually the one who handled the day-to-day running of the restaurant. So his wife was hiring all these waitresses, and he was just uh, issued there, was just coming in and banging them. He's a real, uh, real nice, classy guy, this. I like your generous usage of the word eel. I promise it's the end it was lust at first sight for the pair of them Sada remarked that she'd never seen such a sexy man before and she certainly had her experience with sexy men by this point and they soon started a steamy and sordid affair and she fell passionately in love and this is where her insatiable appetite for sex really came into play A former lover was quoted during her trial as saying, she was enough to astound me. She wasn't satisfied unless we did it two, three or four times a night. What she has made clear is that she is a woman whom men should fear. Wow, insatiable. Oh, she's horny. This woman is a horny woman. 
initially Ishida, he was just assuming it was going to be like a one-time fling, but he had now met someone who could match his own high sex drive and his party lifestyle. And they made their way around the city. They were staying in hotels, like love hotels. They were drinking sake and having lots and lots and lots of sex, which according to the myth lasted for days. So they stayed in their Shibuya neighborhood. That's where you stayed, wasn't it? Shibuya, yeah, yeah. Shibuya is kind of like in Tokyo, if you've been there. Um, Shibuya is kind of like where all the strip clubs are and the brothels and 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 those weird bars where you can have escorts, like like these male escorts. Well, sort of. Oh, they're oh like, yeah, the male ones. Yeah, yeah. Women can go get these these male escorts that look like they're out of an anime, and they'll just and there's no sex. They're just companions. They'll, they'll sit and have and you buy them dinner and they talk to you. It was really odd, that whole area of Shibuya. Although I recommend checking it out. Oh, yeah, I'd like to go. But even back here in the 1930s, it was sleazy. They stayed there (laughs) in a love hotel. They were in bed for four days. They didn't even stop shagging when the geishas would would bring in more sake. Where's this guy's wife? Running their businesses. She should have been the one to cut his dick off. (laughs) This bender, it went on for two weeks. Two weeks, they're at it. And by the end of it, Sada was begging him to leave his wife and stay with her forever and ever and ever and ever. Of of Ishida, she said, it's hard to say exactly what was so good about Ishida, but it was impossible to say anything bad about his looks, his attitude, his skill as a lover, or the way he expressed his feelings. She is head over fucking heels. She is in love. L-U-V. The flip... Uh, yeah so the fling was over she's now devastated so how does she cope she starts drinking heavily which is also what i do during times of deep distress and she was intensely jealous she started thinking of her lover with his wife and so she started to dream up a plan to murder his wife before she actually changed her mind because she went to see a play in which a geisha threatens her lover with a knife and so she just decided that's what she was do. She's going to murder Ishida instead. Yeah, if I can't May... have you, no one else can. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. On May the 11th, 1936, uh, she sold some of her slip, go- slip clothes, which I imagine were probably similar to what the green M&M wears, <laughs> but Japanese versions of. Green M&M's a lesbian now, just to let you know. Okay, she doesn't dress like that anymore. Yeah. No, she's a slut. I'm a slut. The green M&M is a slut forever and ever and ever and ever. She sold these clothes and she bought herself a kitchen knife. She later described meeting Ishida that night. I pulled the kitchen knife out of my bag and I threatened him, as had been done in the play I had seen, saying, Kichi, you wore that kimono just to please one of your favorite customers, you bastard. I'll kill you for that. That's how she said it. She's so emo scene queen. That's how yeah, I imagine now. I would have been a little bit uh, nervous as soon as I heard I wonder if she said in like a, like a sexy little girl voice or something. Kichi, what yeah. a kimono. Creepy, creepy. Ishida, he, he was startled, obviously. Like, any man would be like, whoa, you fucking crazy. But, and he drew away. But he was actually, like, really excited by it. Sweet. It turned him on. Yeah. What happened next, we kind of only know by Sada's testimony. So you have to take it with, a, you know, a bit of a pinch of salt. Her and... Ishida, after being tickled yellow by the knife play and fret from his young lover, they had taken to the uh, Ogo Red Light District. Did you go there? I don't know if that even exists anymore, the Ogo Red Light District. 
They Maybe probably will have sure. a red light district. Oh, there. no, they definitely do. Uh, Shibuya yeah. has a lot of it, but there are other areas of Tokyo. Tokyo is so huge. Um, I forget there was an area that back in the day, though, that used to be this really sketchy area where, like, uh, the Navy officers and all them went. But that's, like, really oh, gentrified now and lame. So I'm wondering if that's what this place used to be. But back in, like, the <laughs> 50s, it was really sketchy, and that's where all the prostitutes were. I bet it's this because this is just before this is just during wartime before war really kicked off. Yeah. Mid 1930s. So they went to the red light district. They had a two day love making marathon session during one shagging session. This is actually something that I think Harrison had wished and prayed for his whole life. Rest in peace, Harrison. She held the knife against the base of his Japanese cock. She threatened to cut it off if he returned to his wife. Yeah, I think Harrison paid extra for that. Yeah, the Japanese (laughs) cock of Ishida, much like Harrison's, only grew bigger because he was immensely turned on. This led to him asking Sada to strangle him with her obi. She enjoyed that so much that he then asked her to strangle him while he was sleeping so that he could wake up with a huge throbbing erection. This is a kinky kinky couple. Yeah, they are kinky. On May the 16th, they enjoyed two hours of erotic asphyxiation. But this time, Ishida, he began to feel the side effects. His face became distorted from all the strangling. And it actually wouldn't return to normal. It, like, drooped down like he had Bell's palsy. He probably had a stroke. Well, yeah, he probably did have mild uh, brain hemorrhage because he's been starved of oxygen. He jokingly said the next time that she should just strangle him to death so that he wouldn't feel pain. He took 30 tablets of a sedative to soothe the pain he was feeling now. These two are party animals. Like, just being like, oh, yeah, I'm in pain. I'm going to take 30 tablets. No, it's crazy. Like, this is crazy. A crazy level of partying now. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I couldn't imagine the 1930s partying like this. I I think they were definitely a, a bit of a rarity for the time. Oh, yeah. Two days of intense shagging occurred. The room must have stunk like stinky fish or like JoJo's girlfriend stink off. <laughs> How I imagine by this point. <laughs> and the joke that Ishida had made was still fresh in her mind. At 2 a.m. on May the 18th, she wrapped her sash twice around his neck. She strangled him to death as he slept, as he slept saying she felt... After she'd killed him, after I'd killed Ishida, I felt totally at ease, as though a heavy burden had been lifted from my shoulders, and I fen- felt a sense of clarity after she had realized what she had done. Did he have a boner? Well, she lay with his body for a few hours, and I do mean lay in the biblical sense. She claimed that she had the most intense orgasms of her life as she fucked his corpse good. So I guess he did. She realized that he still had a boner, And she didn't want to waste all that good Japanese pork. So she decided to sever his cock and balls so that she could carry on enjoying them. She wrapped them up in a magazine. And with all the blood that was everywhere at this point, she wrote, we, Sada and Kichi, Ishada are alone on his thigh. And she wrote it on the bedsheet too. And then like a total of a, like I said before, she gives me emo scene teen vibes. She carved her name into his left arm using the same knife that she'd used to cut his dick off. <laughs> wow, she is so emo. She's like the emo prototype. She's crazy. She put on his mantis. She wanted to keep his mantis for some reason. And she left their love hotel at 8 a.m. asking the staff not to wake her lover because he was dead tired. 
<laughs> a maid found his mutilated body sometime later, and the hunt for Snip Snip Sada, it had now begun. D, the news of his sensational death, it caused an absolute public scandal. The frenzy over finding her was actually called the Ad, um, Abe Sada panic. And it's been compared to the panic that has surrounded it, like the Zodiac killer during the height of his crimes. Everyone thought they'd seen her everywhere. Jap Japanese like local police stations were all flooded with everyone ringing in saying that they'd seen her. But no one had actually seen her. They were all asking, where did this hmm. cock-loving Sada Abe go? Was uh, she taunting the police with letters written in the cock blood? Like in, in code? Oh, no, but she should have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where maybe the um, uh, the Zodiac Killer could have got his ideas from. Yeah. I mean, he probably chopped off a lot of cocks, too. So... She checked into an inn in a Shingagawa. She, sorry, I'm sorry, Japanese. If there's anyone yeah, you were just like butchering a, to, uh, these Japanese added from names. Tokyo, is going to be like what? Shinagawa. The fuck? I'm really sorry. Shinagawa, <laughs> using a pseudonym. I struggle to speak English. I think I do quite well. <laughs> On May the 19th, 1936, she went shopping. She saw a movie. You know, she's having a self care day. Where, where's the dick? I don't get it. She's is got she... it in her bag at all times. Still time. wrapped she in the magazine. She's got it close to her. Yeah, I mean, but does she have plans on preserving it, like casting it in resin, bronzing it? Like, what the hear. fuck is she going to do with it? All right. You're going to hear what she does with it. Be patient. Day. The next day, May the 20th, she had a massage because she was really stressed. And then after it, she pounded three bottles of beer because she was feeling great. She's living life. She spent the majority of the days writing letters, contemplating suicide, and trying to use her dead lover's severed genitals as a dildo. It couldn't be as rigid as it once was now at this point. It's got to be like rotting. Well, in the words of Sade, she says, uh, Sade, I felt attached to Ishida's penis. And I thought that only after taking leave from it quietly could I then die. I unwrapped the paper holding them and I gazed at his penis and scrotum. I put his penis in my mouth <laughs> and I even tried to insert it inside of me. It didn't work, however, though. I kept trying and trying. Then I decided that I would flee to Osaka, staying with Ishida's penis all the while. In the end, I would jump from a cliff on Mount Ikoma while holding onto his penis. Isn't that the most romantic thing you've ever heard? God, she really loved dick. She really she loved really his did. dick. Yeah, his dick in particular. But yeah, that is really romantic. So romantic. You know, crime isn't a big thing in Japan. The police are on it. They're looking for this woman. And at 4 p.m., they were suspicious of the pseudonym and they came to the inn and they went up to her room. She opened the door and she said, don't be so formal. You're looking for Sada Abe, right? Well, that's me. I am Sada Abe. When the police were kind of not convinced because she was being so bold, she pulled out her human dick dildo as proof. And then they were kind dick. of convinced. <laughs> yeah, the rotting penis of her former lover. It's my rotting penis that I love so much. <laughs> During her arrest, she was interrogated extensively over eight sessions where much of the events were fully revealed in all its heinous de detail. She spoke excitedly about wanting Ishida all to herself and the reasons why she severed his genitalia. She said, because I couldn't take his head or body with me, I wanted to take the part of him that brought me 
the most vivid memories. I loved him so much, I wanted him all to myself. But since we are not husband and wife, as long as he lived, he could be embraced by other women. I knew that if I killed him, no other woman could ever touch him again. So I killed him and then took his cock as a souvenir. Yeah, it's, it's that whole, like, if I can't have you, no one else can. Yeah, but she's so in love with him as well, though. I think it's a totally, it's not like she's doing it out of hate, like a lot of the others are doing. She's doing it out of love, which is even crazier. Yeah, she's a bit possessive, I would say. <laughs> the first day of her trial was November the 25th, 1936. And by 5 a.m. that morning, crowds were already gathering to attend, which would soon become known as Sardomania. I wish there was T-shirts. You know, I wish they had T-shirts back then. I would have bought a T-shirt. Like, Sardomania would be cool. We should do one for the podcast. Sardomania. Sardomania. During the court sessions, even the judge admitted that he got a Japanese stiffy at all the evidence that was given and that her testimony when it was read out. Do you, do you think they used uh, Ishida's penis as like exhibit A and just like whooped out the rotting cock wrapped in magazine I, paper? I will tell you what happened to his penis very, very <laughs> soon. When being questioned on the stand, an arresting police officer was asked if Ishida had been hung like a horse. Because that's what you're thinking. You're thinking that this guy's got a huge cock. She's been like used to all this like Japanese cock <laughs> before. And now here comes a huge dick. Maybe she had been drunk on big, big Dick. But he reported that Sada had said, Ishido was just average. Size doesn't make a man in bed. Technique and his desire to please me were what I liked about him. So oh. there you go. It was true then, still true today, if there's any incels listening. Oh, there, well, there, there you go. Yeah. Actually, no, there is one incel listening. Hello, Batman villain. Boner villain? Yeah, I think, yeah. He's, I think he's been like wanking and listening the whole time. Every time I've said the word penis, he has come. <laughs> He's never heard a woman say penis before. That isn't his mother. Before her sentencing, and this was after she had pled guilty, she asked for execution. She wanted to die. She gave a fa final statement. The thing I regret most about the incident is that I have come to be misunderstood as some kind of sexual pervert. There has never been a man in my life like Ishida. There were men that I liked and whom I slept with like, you know, accepting money, but none of them made me feel the way that I did towards him. She's so drunk on love. She was deeply in love. On December the 21st, 1936, she was convicted of murder and mutilation of a corpse, and she received six years in a Tojichi's women's penitentiary, where she was prisoner number 11. She said prison was the most stable time in her life. She described the staff as loving, caring people, and even though she suffered setbacks, like she did freak out on the first anniversary of his death, the staff calmed her down. She started studying Buddhist philosophy and she felt part of a community for the first time ever in her life. Five years later, she was released on May what? the 17th, 1941. She only did five years for murdering someone and chopping his dick off. Only five years. Because <laughs> I think... I think a lot of Japan, I will get into it a bit more. A lot of Japan felt a lot of sympathy for her the way I do. Uh, so it was like the, the court of public opinion uh, was yeah, on her ruled side. Yeah, ruled that she couldn't be killed. 
due to her notoriety, of course, she wasn't going to be out the public eye for very long. Even using an alias, the public fascination with her meant she could never really stay a secret. She left prison with zero income. She had no hope of a job. She had to live with her sister and her brother-in-law. But by this point, it's wartime rationing. So she really did have to support herself. She sued the author of a scandalous book about her case. And in 48, she actually published her own book about her life, which I hunted high and low for and I cannot find. The now liberated Japan, they lapped it up. It was a bestseller. So she made some money off this book. Hmm. She spent several years working in pubs, restaurants. She was described as a model employee before she actually finally managed to drop out of sight. She was last publicly seen in 1970. There were later rumors of her committing suicide or shaving her head and living in a nunnery, but none of these sightings have ever been confirmed. And whatever her fate, Sada Abe the Slut lives on. So um, you were asking about Ishida's genitals. Well, that's what everyone wants to know. All right. We, we all want care to what know what happened, happened to, to his genitals. <laughs> After his trial, his penis and testicles, they were moved to Tokyo University Medical School's Pathology Museum for public display where clouds flocked to like tee hee hee at them as I would have done. But sometime after World War II, they mysteriously vanished, much like Sada Abi herself. I think, did she, did she become a cat burglar and steal them again? Oh, and just took them with her and was yeah. like, I will disappear. I hope so. In my, uh, if we were style. to make a Hollywood movie about it, that's how it should be. I keep, I keep thinking like this would be a great Takashi Miike movie. I'm surprised he hasn't done like a biopic on Sada Abe. Hopefully soon. No, nah, I think it'd be, I think it'd be really good. And so Takashi Miike, I know you're a fan of the show. Please make a film <laughs> about this. It's like I was saying before, Sada Abi, she killed out of love and not hate. So the murdering geisha slag, she mesmerized Jap- Japan at the time. Japan was going through huge political upheaval. It had war looming on like the rising sun horizon. She was actually seen as a freedom fighter with like a human cock dildo as a weapon. Due to the political oppressive ideologies at the time, which would be a whole other show, she represented feminine sexuality when women still couldn't even vote, women weren't women were not meant to be like how we are today. Like were women on a podcast in Japan at this point, women were seen and not heard. They only went to school so that they could teach their sons good etiquette. They weren't going to school to better themselves. After World War II, women were recognized as having equal rights to men in Japan. So she is a freedom fighter. She's representing a whole new form of femininity. Well, if you think about it, she's kind of like Japan's version of Rosie the Riveter. You know what I'm saying? Rosie who? Rosie the Riveter. You know what I'm talking about? That woman like... Oh, Rosie the Riveter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the feminist icon. (laughs) But with a dick. Yeah, but just with a dick. Instead of like, you know, the bandana, she's just holding the dick up. Because she's like Japan's Rosie the Riveter. Dee, I must say that as a Norman slag, I do hold my glass high in honor to another glass. I love them all, eh, to another slag. And I wish I could buy her an Hitachi magic wand because an Hitachi magic wand is made in Japan for insatiable Japanese sluts, just like Sada Abe. And I salute her. Yeah, I think if she had that Hitachi, she probably wouldn't have cut off that guy's dick. That's what happens. She would never have left her house. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, let me uh, close out this uplifting topic here uh, <laughs> about your medical options after having your cock cut off. So medical professionals say there are options for someone who experiences the removal of the, the male penis. 
Um, so the likelihood of bleeding out from a traumatic penis amputation is actually quite small uh, because the arteries and vessels in the area aren't large enough to make that a possibility. So much like uh, Frabutt was uh, a bit disappointed because she didn't have enough blood to write center on the wall you know, from his genital, genital bleeding, um, it, you're not going to die from this. You're not going to bleed out from having your dick cut off. Um, but if someone's That's penis is removed in, in a non-medical environment, it's all about timing. Timing is crucial, Kate Rambo. So the sooner you get it back on and reestablish the blood supply, the better, says Dr. Richard Reddit, who performed the world's first penis and scrotum transplant last year. <laughs> um, he estimates that the maximum amount of time the organ could be out and unattached is between 6 and 12 hours. So the clock is ticking. If you recall, like the Lorena Bobbitt, they had cops just like pouring over the fields trying to find that guy's dick in a field. And I think someone did, and they put it in like a 7-Eleven big gulp. Um, I that, talk about I talk about what happens to his dick. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's on yeah. the overkill. Um, but once an organ is not attached to the body, the cells break down and die immediately. So recovery of penis function could be poor based on the amount of cell and damaged tissue that occurs before being reattached. However, that's the thing. Right? I mean, some patients are able to walk by themselves to the hospital to seek help. So like that guy that was, uh, you know, beating his wife who chopped his dick off a second time. I mean, you still, I mean, you're not like completely incapacitated, like being shot in the stomach or something, you know, bleeding out. Um, another major component here is how the penis is handled before reattachment. So professionals here with Frabat took his dick and put it on ice. But that might not have actually been the best option. The best yeah. thing to do is to wrap the organ in salt water soaked gauze. So there you go, people. When your wives <laughs> cut your dick off, just have some salt water soaked gauze just near, maybe on the nightstand, just in case. Uh, salt water saline keeps the tissue moist while the ice cools the organ down and slows the process of decomposition. So you want, you want to keep it moist to slow the process. Uh, when reattaching the penis, doctors are quite concerned about how well the blood vessels and nerves can be hooked back up. Now, let's say you lose your dick. The duck ate it. The stray cat ran off with it. Um, so if your penis cannot be saved and reattached, you still have options, guys. So none of these options are appealing, but these options are there. So now doctors can perform a surgery that would close off what's remaining of the penis. So now what you have is what they call a medical term, a stump. And so the stump... Yeah, but they would call it a nubbin or something, something kind of delightful and cute. Because, you, you know, you can have an arm stump, a leg stump, but if you're like, you have a nubbin, like that's kind of endearing. Well, I think it, when it's still an appendage. Date. It's still an appendage, though, you know? I mean, I guess they could call it a button on a fur coat. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a stump is what they refer to it as. Now, a stump still allows for a man to use the restroom. You can still go to the bathroom um, because there's the capability of dispelling urine through the urethra opening. However, oftentimes a stump is a bit too small, so you're, gonna ha you're not going to be able to stand anymore. You're going to have to sit down to pee through your stump. Patients also have the option of a phalloplasty which is a procedure that involves doctors removing flaps of skin from the forearms or thighs and molding it together to build a makeshift penis. Oh, like a Play-Doh penis. Kind of. And it, I would like that job. I think it would be relaxing. Well, I just wonder how it would... They say a good reconstruction allows for erogenous sensation to return, along with urination, but the complications are really high. Procedure is complex. 
And doctors say, you're not going to be normal. You're going to lose some function. So I don't know what you have, just like a little flappy skin flute sort of thing. Like, I don't know, how <laughs> you, are you, you getting hard? You do have a flappy skin flute. It'd be like a sausage skin. And probably inside, you know, they can put the piston, you know, the, the pistons that give you an erection. They probably oh, do that. Oh, they, they put like the, the balloons or the, the pumps. Can't they, you can pump it the up. The pumps, that's yeah. what I mean. It's like a piston you pump thing. Uh, this is such a great episode for the men this week. <laughs> yeah, no, no wonder you picked this for your birthday show. Um, one cannot, one can live without your genitalia. Um, you can do it. One. Well, you can, but I mean, it's just, it's just not good to have your penis cut off in a non-medical way. So there you go, people. I think the takeaway here from this episode is just don't be a dick to women, or you might not have yeah. yours for very long. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, people, this is Kate's birthday show, uh, Sick and Wrong, episode 831. We got some phone calls coming up next. Uh, you can call the Sick and Wrong hotline, 323-522-4032. Uh, but first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not a Sick and Wrong patron, then you might be missing out on special phone calls like this one. I bought a speculum from... Amazon. Oh my god! Um, I get this fucking thing, and it's not the best made thing ever. Uh, I should have said this right, for the hey, hey, hey. <laughs> This is also experiment. There's experimenting sexually together. Buying a speculum is not experimenting sexually. That's being like that's me- for medical use. That's like, there's there's you know, no point. If I was at a man's house and he says, "Let's do something kinky, baby." And I was like, yeah, I'm really up for that, too. Let's do it. And then he rocked out a fucking speculum. I'd be like, what the fuck? Why do you want to see my cervix? I want to see what you got in there. Let's go spelunking. (laughs) You fucking put that. Every woman has a fear of a speculum. No woman goes, oh, yeah, baby. Put that speculum in. Like what the fuck experience. is he like role playing as a gynecologist like a really shitty junkie gynecologist yeah, this is not kinky sex <laughs> this is like unsatisfying sex <laughs> what woman has ever said to you oh yeah I can only come if you gape my vagina apart I know that's I the should, only way I can come I shouldn't like, be as hard as I am right now but whatever <laughs> For just $5, you can hear the rest of this phone call, a bonus news story, and about an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. So we got a few phone calls to get to, 323-522-4032. People, give us a call. You know, Kate Rambo's coming to uh, Los Angeles in like two weeks, so... Maybe if you've been to L.A. before, give her a call. Give her some warnings, what to watch out for. Uh, maybe give her some tips on, like, what she should wear. Um, but, yeah, give us a call, 323-522-4032. So the first call we have here came in from uh, Christopher Siege. Nice. Little Siege. He's got a Valentine's Day story. Greetings, D and Kate. Siege here, just calling in with a quick little tale of something uh, that I witnessed outside of my work today. Uh, time of recording, it is currently Valentine's Day, and although that's not really re- 
terribly related to the story, uh, it does come up. So when I was at work today doing uh, door security duty, uh, which is something I've mentioned it before, but it's something that they make uh, uh, senior level uh, grocery guys do for. That is so weird they, that they make senior level employees man the door at the grocery store. Is that just a COVID thing, though? Because I do know that it's it's a COVID thing where somebody has to be on the door all time. Do they have a so wait? Do they have security at like the grocery stores in uh, England? I can't remember. Is that like a thing there? Oh yeah, yeah. All so you have do, someone who's but you guys aren't required to wear masks. It's encouraged, but you don't have to. Here they do have an actual armed security guard that's at like every grocery store. And they're just kind of standing there, just making sure people are being cool. You never know. I mean, we, got, we, have, we have a lot of spree shooters. I, so. I was about to say, wasn't there that spree shooting in a Hollywood grocery store a couple of years back where people died? Yeah, there's one every week. <laughs> a few hours throughout the day. It's kind of bullshit. It's, you know, trying to save money on hiring actual security. Although they did hire actual security recently, and that's been a complete shit show because the security company that, that they... Uh, it, Hired sends like the complete like bottom of the barrel to uh to the store to do door duty. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. Uh, so I now, the thing is, Christopher <laughs> Siege, he's a good guy. Like he's a good candidate to have at the door because he'll actually put effort into it. Like he'll he's stop a good someone. Yeah, I mean he'll stop someone from stealing. He'll confront someone. Whereas if I was in that position, I don't get health care. I would just be like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Fucking, I couldn't care less if you're stealing from this fucking massive corporation. Like, fine. I would be terrible. Well, I mean, we don't, uh, could also be, you know, this is on the island. It doesn't, it, he's not like working. He couldn't be working for Whole Foods. He could be working for a much smaller store where when people steal shit, it actually matters to them. So maybe that's why they're more vigilant. Yeah, I don't know if he's at a, a mom Walmart. and pop one or if he's at like, yeah, if, if I was working for like Whole Foods or or Safeway or something, I'd be like, fucking take whatever you want. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to get stabbed in the dick for this. Standing at the door, and we frequently have uh, homeless people and, like, crackheads uh, hang out in front of the store and beg uh, customers for money and whatnot as they uh, enter and exit. Uh, and it, it's usually the same, like, dozen or so people uh, day in and day out. Uh, one of them is this uh, black woman. I think her name, a middle-aged black woman, I think her name is, like, Lucy or something. Um, but uh, she's really annoying, and her, her voice in particular is annoying because she kind of, she kind of sounds like schlitzy, honestly. So just imagine, like, a middle-aged black female version of schlitzy just being like, spare change, oh, God. change. Spare a little change. <laughs> anyway, that's so... my idea of hell. Absolutely. Yeah, I can't think of anything worse. I mean, I guess I'd probably give her money. Like I'd throw money so she'd get the fuck away from me. Like, I could, I could do that. Actually, I would even I just... do that if Schlitzy came up to me. I'd be like, throw money. Like he's getting money from a Jew to get the fuck away from me. <laughs> uh, so today she was like. Uh, Happy Valentine's Day, spare a little change. Happy Valentine's Day, spare a little change. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's like, Happy Valentine's Day, I'll let you punch me in the face and call me a ninja. ninja. For a little bit of change. Whoa, now that's tempting. I've 20 books, love. 
Yeah, I wonder. Wow. We'll go. We'll go into the alley. I mean, but to do it. but that's an enterprising homeless person. <laughs> She's like twenty. I like you know, it. It's Valentine's Day special. Punch me in the face for a little bit of change. I want someone to isolate. Just you going punch me in the face <laughs> or me <laughs> just for a little bit of change it. i i kind of like the valentine's day but that is an enterprising home. i would have given her change just for saying that you know how we were talking about on valentine's day you don't have to do like grandiose gestures you don't have to spend a lot of money just going up to your other partner and saying just punch me in the face yeah. for everything <laughs> I've done to you for the last year. I'll just let you have a free one. Just come on. Just, just, just do it. Close fist. It's fine. I don't even <laughs> mind. But that's the thing with homeless people. I typically, I just sort of am oblivious. I pretend they're not there. And I think once you've lived in a city for a long time, you'll see that when you come to LA. Cause you don't, I remember living in London. You yeah. Do but just you don't encounter stuff. as many homeless people where you live now in England, the North of England, but here you're going to see them all the time, especially in San Francisco. And so you become desensitized. You just ignore it. You don't engage, pretend like they're not even there. And I, I think that's typically the best way Steve, to go about it. You're part of the problem. Maybe. I don't give a shit. But um, <laughs> but every now and then, a homeless person will do something funny. And if they do something funny or somewhat original, I will give money. Like, I don't mind if it's like, you know, if they got a keyboard out and they're doing Michael Jackson songs. That's kind of funny. There's a homeless guy in San Francisco in Union Square that full on, like, it's probably one of the worst Michael Jackson outfits I've ever seen. And he's kind of fat. But he does the he does the dance and he'll come up and be like, I'll do the moonwalk for a dollar. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to give you a dollar because I want to see you. Do I'm going to give moonwalk. you five dollars and I want to see you do it five times. I've always I'm said totally that cool with if, that. If you're on the streets and you're begging and you're pl- and you're doing anything, I will give you money because I will encourage creativity of any type. But if you're just sat there. Just begging out. for change, being annoying. Yeah, I don't even, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to yeah. give you money. I'm just going to ignore you. You know, uh, there's this one guy I remember in San Francisco that he always had, he was like an older black dude. Always had the funniest signs. Like my favorite one was like, you know, please help put a Jewish boy through college. And I was just like, I got to <laughs> give you some money for that one. <laughs> but this, this is, uh, yeah, this is ingenious. This is, uh, this is a novel way to beg for change. And so almost immediately, this middle-aged white woman comes up to her and hands her a $20 bill. And immediately this woman, they, they, they exchange like a little bit of words, like quietly to one another. And then uh, the black woman like flips out and she's like, no, you're not. You can't fucking punch me. <laughs> Fuck you. And then like wheels away on her like walker. Anyway. Uh, cracked me up a little bit. Happy Valentine's Day, guys. Bye-bye. Oh, so she was just <laughs> joking. Like, she wasn't being serious about it. She wasn't being sincere. I bet the white woman was probably like, can you not shout the word ninja at the, the top of your voice while children are around? This is totally... like, you can't punch me. I've been watching the Purge movies. I've never seen them. But this is totally what the Purge is. It's like white people being allowed to kill homeless people. And so that's what the that's what the movies are about. So it's like if given the opportunity to punch a homeless black lady in the face, this white woman's like, "Here's a 20. Like that's <laughs> that's how it happens in the purge movies. If people have seen it, uh, the the re- really wealthy white people they don't go in the street and hunt them down. They get these people who uh, who pretty much like they'll pay a hundred grand for you to like 
donate your body for the for the to be massacred and all the white people have their like cleavers and machine guns and or, you know, whatever and they're just like ah, i'm ready to torture this this uh this this homeless person to death but i gave their family 50 grand you know it's just that that's how they purge that's how the wealthy purge but this is this is ridiculous like if i saw this i would give the i would give this woman five bucks just because it's hilarious you know and I, i'd probably want to make a video of her saying it um, I'd but watch a video. I'd be like, "Say it I'm again." I'm not gonna like, punch a lady yeah. in the face. And the fact that a middle-aged white woman's just like, "Here's a twenty. Let me. Can I get a couple punches in?" It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> in front of the stall that I'm about to go in, <laughs> where they know me, where I come in here all the time. She's like, "Make Canada great again. Punch a homeless person." <laughs> <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, Siege. That was that was pretty funny. Um, this next call. Also kind of a Valentine's Day sort of story, I guess, sort of. Um, I thought we played this. I could have swore we played this before. But the caller said we missed it. And Kate Rambo says she doesn't recognize it. So if we played it again, my apologies. Uh, but it's a great story, so why not? This is the Twisted Fire Starter speaking. Now, when I was based in Germany, each year we used to go on this exercise to the Czech Republic for a month... Do you remember Twisted Firestarter when he was in what? What do they call them? Squatties? Was he a squatty? He's a squatty. Yeah, he's in the uh, he's in he's in the army. Like he's not a special boy. He's just in the fucking army. And he like hands down won the Lost of Virginity competition that we did a few years back. That was, um, I I think about that phone call about like once a week, and I just like smirked <laughs> myself when it comes into my mind. And then he follows that up with uh, a story about getting raped by with like a broomstick <laughs> by the other squatties, which is like wow, I didn't think I'd get it. No, worse. it was a pool cue. It was a pool cue. A pool cue, yeah. yeah. Anyway, here he is with. I think this is probably more of like a like a like a like a happy story, like a delightful story here. Oh right. I've called Flying Rhino, and I was a radio operator. So the whole time you're there, once you've set up, you know, it's fucking cushy. You, you've got like widescreen tellies, PS3s, and we, we used to go on like trips to Prague and shit like that. Uh, anyway, on, on this one trip in the evening, we, we go to this strip club in, um, I think it was like a place called Trebek or something. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I, I, don't, I don't get strip clubs. To begin with, no offense, D, but it, it is like you're, you're paying for blue balls. I, I'd rather just have a drink yeah. at home and masturbate to porn. I mean, you can't. Not offended. I completely agree. I, you know, I write about that when in my, in my book, I wrote about this. Like, I've never been a strip club guy. I've gone, like, because bachelor parties and whatever. But yeah, what a waste of money and time. You know? Yeah. I mean, you might as well just stay home and jerk off the porn. You know, you're not going to. I can kind of. Nine times out of ten, you're not going to get laid. As a as a female going into strip strip clubs and like thinking, yeah, these girls are hot. I'm going in it from a completely different view, though. I'm watching them on the pool, and I'm like, fuck me, these girls are like physically fit. This is amazing. Have twenty dollars, like this is great. Good for you. You you've learned a skill here. Whereas the men, <laughs> they're there for a different reason. The men are so retarded that they think that they're actually going to get laid. That they're going to score the more money they spend on this girl. Like the the better the oppor- you know the better the chances of getting laid. It's not going to happen. Good, <laughs> it's, it's good just for never every woman who has ever fleeced a man out of money in a strip club. Fucking and good. and by right they should because that's what they're there for. Yeah. 
masturbate in a... Well, I mean, <laughs> you're not supposed to masturbate in this strip club. Anyway, uh, this, <laughs> God, this I hope this is where she, that's going. She comes up to me. Um, and she, oh, hey, baby, uh, you want a lesbian sex show? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I want a lesbian sex show. <laughs> and she's like, oh, it's a 1500 Corona. And that's like... It's a lot of Coronas. 1500 Coronas? I don't know, probably because it's the Czech Republic. It's probably going to turn out to be like 15 quid. Oh, I thought you meant Corona's the beer. You know, it's a lot of beer. Hey, no. All right. No, it's right. isn't. It's not Corona. It's the Kroner. Kroner. It's yeah, the Kroner, the Kroner yeah. mate. But yeah, that fifteen hundred Kroner is probably like what two pounds, three pounds. I think uh, actually Czech Republic might be on the uh, euro by now. Oh, they're on the euro. No, oh, okay. I definitely know they're more expensive because a mate went there la- uh, not last year some time ago and they said that it's getting super expensive in Czech Republic and not to go back. I'm yeah, they sure. were on the, the Czech, it is. They're on the Czech crown or kroner when I was there last, but it was a while ago. Yeah, but oh, when the last time you went to France, it was on the Franc D. No, way. last time I went to Par- uh, Paris, it was like two years ago. And they yeah, were, yeah. They were on the Euro. But I did go to France when they were on the Franc and that was amazing. Because the so dollar... The dollar went, was like, oh, the pound probably went even further. Oh my God. I remember the glory days of when the American dollar was like half of the pound. And it was oh, just. I, no, I remember that. That sucked. Although it it's still, so. it's still the pound's worth a lot more. But now I remember back, yeah, when it was like late 90s, uh, early 2000s, going to France and you could like, I mean, it was like 15,000 francs to like $1 or whatever it was. It was crazy. Yeah. But it's not like that anymore. Unfortunately. Get yourself to Poland, mate. You live like a king. I do want to go there. It's like 60 euros or something. Anyway, I, I had no money at me. Uh, no money on me. So I'm like, all right, wait here. Give me 15 <laughs> minutes. I'm going to go get some money out. So I fucking peg it to the cash point. <laughs> I get the money out, come back. And again, it's a cold day. Now I'm out of breath. My nose is running. I'm sort of sniffling, sort of wheezing. I go up to her. I'm like, oh, here's the money. And she goes, oh, looking at me a bit weird. She's like, oh, you, you on cocaine? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not on cocaine. I've never done drugs in my life. And she starts going fucking ape shit, right? Going, oh, you, are, you on cocaine? I fucking kill you. And I thought she was going to take a fucking IU off and stab me with it. I'm like, I swear Jesus. I'm not. Panicking, right? Think- God, that would not happen in an American strip club. They would not. And the crazy thing about American strip, I remember when I was working there, I had, I did do a lot of cocaine, um, as well as other drugs, but I had an issue with nasal polyps, which I don't know if I, maybe it's just, it's like an irritant in your nasal canal. So like one nostril is completely blocked and I had no benefits. I couldn't even pay to get it remedied. Um, But my nose was like almost constantly like just dripping. Like it, it sucked. It was about a year that this happened. So as soon as I walked in, I'd be like, like that. And if you do that once in a strip club, you'll have like three of them just on you. Like, oh, you got any blow? You got any cocaine? You got any blow? Oh, yeah, they yeah. can they can smell that from across the room. It's like a shark. It's like a mako shark, smelling like you know a little blood from a paper cut. They'll like zone in on you. So I, I'm surprised that a a check pro, or strip not prostitutes check stripper would be so you know, turned off by cocaine. Have you never done that though when you've been in a club and you're wanting drugs? So you just kind of like, and you don't know anyone there. So you just kind of scan the room. I always look for a girl. I don't look for a, cause I, I trust girls a little bit more than yeah. do boys, but I'll like look for a girl. And if I'm like, yeah, she's wired. 
and then you just go up to her and you like just start chatting and then before i've gotten drugs so many ways doing that just talking to a random girl and being like hey my connection's not here tonight do you have anyone do you have anything and because they're fucked they usually like yeah I've, here you go like i can from he's what, over there yeah from what i've always heard my exes would just meet a girl in the bathroom and, and you'd be in the bathroom and she times. would be doing some drugs and then you'd be like oh hey can I have a bump? Or, or sometimes they just offer. That usually doesn't happen with dudes. No. Do you know why? Because uh, women are nicer. That's why we don't cut off dicks all the time. <laughs> you know what's funny? Uh, me and Lee, uh, the other day, it was a couple weeks ago, we were in the, uh, I think we might have talked about this on Second Show, but we were at the, this bar called the Naughty Pig on Sunset. And it, the Naughty Pig is right next to this like notorious Los Angeles strip club called the Body Shop, which I think is fully nude and they don't serve booze. So you see a lot of like the strippers from because it's next door will be in the Naughty Pig drinking. And so me, me and Lee were just kind of sitting there. And Lee's he's British, Pakistani, you know. He's he doesn't look. I guess he I could say if he was in a strip club, he probably would look like a mark. Um, and then you know yeah. me probably wearing the same thing I'm wearing right now. So we're sitting at the bar, just just ordered a drink. I look back and I see this girl who looks just like a stripper and she's with these like two somewhat shady looking gangster looking dudes and they're just sitting at a table and they're staring at us. And there's other people in the bar, but they're both kind of staring at us and she's staring at us. And so we order a drink and then like maybe five minutes later, she walks up to the bar and she's just looking like directly at me and looking directly at uh, at Too intense. Lee. Yeah, but just in a weird way. Like it was kind of like almost like a dude will just stare like male gaze at a woman just kind of staring at her until she finally like says hi. You know, it was kind of like that. Like she was just stand- staring at us. And so I'm drinking and it's kind of awkward. I don't even know if he noticed. I was just like, how's it going? How's your night going? She's like, hey, you guys want to go in the back and do a bump? And I was like, this is the sketchiest situation I think I've been in in a while. So this girl who's been looking at us, I noticed her looking at us for like 10 minutes with these other two sketchy looking guys at like a corner of the bar. And she all of a sudden comes up and is like, you guys want to do a bump? Don't you think she was probably going, there was like some kind of like ulterior motive going on there? Oh yeah. It has to be like a natural thing, doesn't it? Like if you'd have both been at the bar at the same time, you kind of struck up a conversation 15 minutes later, you're still chatting away. And then she says, Hey, like I, I don't know if you guys are into it. Do you want to go for a bump? Also, there is no more crushing feeling than when you offer someone a bump and they say no. You kind of feel a bit like your ego gets a bit bruised then. You're like, oh, well, I just offered you something. You said no. At this day and age, though, I would think there's like fentanyl or something. Whatever. Like one random substance is going to make us both pass out and we'll get robbed. Like that was the first thing that I was thinking. It's like, I don't know you. You just came across the bar from a table with two sketchy looking guys to two random marks. And you think we're just going to do drugs. And so immediately I was suspicious and uh, I was about to say no. And then, you know, Lee's just like, Oh yeah, what you got? And I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> like he's like a total mark. Like, I think he probably would have gone back and just done whatever, whatever Even substance. Like, Hello, other fellas. Well, I've all got some cocaine too, or maybe some cabin <laughs> and they would have taken him outside beating him, robbed him, and then the next day you'd have been like, what happened here? Well, who knows? I mean, I don't know. This place is such a touristy bar, too. Like, I'm sure that, you know, more power to them. I'm sure it probably works very well. I'm sure. 
Or, you know, it's probably one of those things where you go back there, you do a bum, and she's like, you want to buy some? And then you're forced to buy some, or you're going to get your ass yeah. kicked. I always you know? call it the French way when that happens. Yeah. That's what the French do. Either way, I was just like, no. And she's just like, lame, and just walks back. <laughs> oh, like, okay, are you calling sorry. me lame, sweetheart? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go to sleep tonight for thinking of that. Yeah. Some fucking mad Eastern European is going to come and shiv me. Anyway, she 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 then calms down. I don't know what the fuck got up her minge, but uh, she sort of takes me out back and sits me on a sofa, gets her mate, and they sort of like lie over me and start like licking each other out. And I'll tell you, it was fucking rubbish. I, I was bored. I was there for about half hour. They're there having a chat. Like oh. I give this two thumbs down. Boring. I was bored. <laughs> you sound like the rabbi. <laughs> it must be a fun. You ever see that, you remember that show Bottom? With that of Rick Mayo. Of course. Mayall, right? Oh my God. You remember the Bottom episode? Bottom has been me my whole life. What, you it, do I remember the show Bottom? I'm fucking British, D. Well, there's that a is great, such an insult. Well, there's a great episode called Bored. And it's just like, this sounds just like it. It was just like, bored. Boring. He reminds me of Rick Mayo sometimes, his voice. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> sort of as they're doing it, having a bit of a laugh, and and that that was it. Well annoyed, I, I thought, what a fucking waste of money that was. I didn't even put any effort in. I come out, right, meet my mate. He's like, oh yeah, mate. Did you know they got a brothel upstairs? I just got a whore for an hour for a thousand corona, five hundred quid less. I could have got an actual prostitute. I could have slept with, and then cried in the arms of for, for a half hour longer and I, I just feel like I'm like one of the in-betweeners or something this, this, I, I just have he's, in he's the briefcase wanker <laughs> absolutely everything anyway happy spooktober Kate <laughs> bye <Hey. laughs> wow this was sent a while ago and I guess I must have missed it <laughs> As if he's trying to antagonize me after telling that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! That 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 was really good. Thank you, there, Twisted Firestarter. Can yeah, I, I guess I will commiserate with Twisted Firestarter though and say that every single threesome I've ever had, I've been there going, "This is boring, boring, bored, boring." I am, but right. Uh, uh, every single threesome I've ever had, there's been a point where I'm like, "I'm really cold now. I'm really bored." I just want to leave and I'm hungry. There was at no point, there's never been a point during the threesome where I've been enthralled and that's why I don't have them. Well, we can try. Um, I think <laughs> <laughs> I'm cold, I'm bored and I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> it's not happening. I think you should have three girls. I'll get you a Hitachi wand, videotape it. and I'm uh... not burning my clit off with a Hitachi wand. <laughs> My god, my goodness! Like I have a diamond level pussy; it cannot handle a magic wand. I'm surprised uh, Twisted Fire started try to get his money back. <laughs> he, should, he should go back now. He's an adult. And say, do you remember me, girls? You fucking bitches! I gave bitches. you fifteen hundred kroners. Yeah, <laughs> do it in that funny. accent more than mine. <laughs> fifteen hundred kroners. Now, what are crowns? Is what he was saying. But yeah, I don't know, man. That. That's typically how it happens. You know, it was funny. Good, good for them. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, that's why. That's why. You know, more power to them. I remember there's this girl that uh, I used to work with at the Gold Club that was fucking crazy hot. She was from like 
I think she was from Poland. She's from an Eastern Europe, or maybe she was from the Czech Republic. Just beautiful. And her favorite thing to do was, uh, yeah, to do kind of like this fake lesbian show with, uh, with like, just go get a guy, say that, and, and like pretend like they're going to do more and more, but obviously they're not doing anything. And they're just ripping this guy off and giving him blue balls. But the one thing that she said she would always do at the end of the at the end of the uh, the, the lap dance is she'd rip a fart because she thought it was the funniest thing is just to rip a fart right in the guy's face, and, and he can't even the do end, anything. I just rip fart in his face, and it is fucking hilarious because she, they have all his monies. And her friend, yeah, and her friend that she was doing it would always just wait for it, and they'd both laugh and just kind of go off. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it's money." She goes, "That's just the way," I, and it's a cherry on the Sunday. It is, it is the cherry on the fucking Sunday. Fuck you, you fucking dick. That's amazing. I love her. Yeah, she's. I wonder whatever happened to her. Anyway, uh, thank you there, Twisted Firestarter. People, you can call the Sigro Hotline 323-522-4032, or you can just email us, sigrongpodcast at uh, gmail.com. Uh, check out the second wrong second show on the Patreon. The second show's going off. Like we've been doing a lot of them now. I, I don't know how many there are, but a lot. And uh it's it's fun. It's pretty much a an entirely second show we do every week. You know what I think the second show is like it's like um it's kind of like from the Ville or the Wackerly years. But because we're protected by a paywall, <laughs> it's uh <laughs> we can do what we want on the second show. So what that means, people, is that Kate's very racist on the second show because <laughs> I do she my feels like she's protected because she's behind the uh, paywall. <laughs> my deaf impression is really good. It's very good. You can but it, it is an hour and a half second show that we do. Um, it's a lot more relaxed, a little bit more saucy, a bit more salacious. This week, actually, we chatted at length about uh, my, my cat, Calaman, spring diarrhea all over my flat. While I was trying to learn about crypto from my Pakistani friend, which I think might be a sign. That might be some kind of like, you know, See, omen. that sounds Don't you boring think? when you say it out like so bluntly like that, but it's really not boring. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, we, we talk about that. And then uh, we also talk about my sister. There, my sister moved into a new place. She left the loin, moved to a new place, and her new place just got robbed. So <laughs> we, we talk about that. <laughs> I uh, also played a couple Harrison calls I missed during the tribute show. So, yeah, go check out the second show. It's a it's a full hour and a half second show we do every week, comes out every Sunday. And it's only five bucks a month. That's not that much, people. That's less than, like, what, a beer at a bar? And then for a few bucks more, you can get our Sick and Wrong News segment. Uh, this week uh, we talked about uh, Tom Hanks' feckless son, Chet, and his girl, his girlfriend who happens to be the first Victoria's Secret model with Down Syndrome. Um, we also that dis- conversation also has been popping off on the Discord. I'm not surprised. About the um, Down syndrome. We also discuss how Kate and her countrymen and women all came together to help Prince Andrew settle his U.S. civil sex assault case with uh, Virginia Guffrey. And I think Kate has proven that the royal family is really one big family. <laughs> And I think it's good that you're there. To yeah, have we, back. we did it all for our country. <laughs> the red, white, and the blue. <laughs> we did it for our lads. And at the $10 tier, you also get the Sick and Wrong Overkill, which is our bonus uh, mini show that Kate does. And this week, yeah, Kate goes into detail uh, talking about Lorena Bobbitt, the most famous penis chomper of them all. But it was fun to write that. I loved it. 
So people go check it out. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Support sick and wrong. Keep the show going. We really do appreciate it. Um, also, if you want to buy some sick and wrong merch, just go to the T public store, uh, sick and wrong podcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Go get yourself a sick and wrong banner. I think you can even get sick and wrong pillowcases there. All sorts of sick and wrong merch. Um, and finally, here's sick and wrong song of the week. Okay, Rambo pick. A woman by the name of Michelle Phillips. Uh, she wrote a song called Victim of Romance, which I think um, Don't is about pretend all you don't know men. who Michelle Phillips is. You know who she is. Um, Michelle Phillips, she only did one solo album, right? Came out in the mid-70s. Yeah, but she was in a very, 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 very famous California band. Maybe a band that Mama Cass was in. Oh, really? She was in the Mamas and the Papas? Yes! She's I did not Michelle know Phillips is hot as shit. I never was a fan of the Mamas and Papas. Um, and I got down on my knees. That's the best bit in that song. Whenever that comes on, everyone has to sing that part of it. But did Mama Cass that, like I'm choke a, on like I'm a not roast, a huge fan. Did Mama Cass choke on like a Subway sandwich or something or a roast beef Subway she sandwich? She apparently choked on a ham sandwich, but that's the myth. I very much agree with printing the myth, and I think it's hilarious that that is the myth, but it's not true, obviously. Not surprised. You know, this is a good song to end this show with because a lot I of love... these men were victims of romance. I also think we should cover Michelle Phillips because she had a crazy life at some point. Anyway, we're going to end the show here. Victim of Romance by Michelle Phillips. Kay Rambo, happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening here in the live stream. Uh, people will be thank back you. next week with episode 832. Till then. Take it sleazy.
A California woman accused of cutting off her estranged husband's penis and putting it down a garbage disposal has been charged with torture in a case that could put her behind bars for life. Count one with a felony for aggravated mayhem, and in count two, you're charged with a felony for torture 